Welcome to the Boulders. My name's Phineas Mia, and joy. the boldness is all about grabbing your human rights, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. Now, I'm jo- joined by, by a man who, well, recently he's had so- shoulder surgery, but I'm glad he's back with me. It's Raphael Kaleb. Hello, Raphael. Well, the Barone just looked like the $6 million man with about a 28-inch right bicep with compound breaks in my shoulder and right elbow. <laughs> well, sadly, we haven't got time to discuss your, uh, your your medical history just at the minute, but I do have a question for you. I, That's very important. And, and a, a statement and a question. I am sick, I am sick of using the term diversity. It's, it's so bland. It's so boring. I reckon we should... Use that. I'm considering using the term div, diverse sexy, or should that be diverse sexy? Um, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but hopefully, our guests do. And before they come in, we should just say that uh, we should just say that we are discussing issues of a sexually explicit nature. If that's not your thing, then uh, perhaps this is the show, show for you. But if it is, stick around. We're bound to have some good fun. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, Raph, who are our guests this evening? Well, as I said, we have got some very honoured guests from CoHealth. We have got Meredith Drinkell, who is the coordinator of the Diverse Sexy program. It's a new program run by CoHealth. And we are going to be talking with two of the program designers, Victoria Rockchick and Luke Nelson. Welcome to The Boldness on the 16th of December, 2020. Now, let's kick this, get this really fired up. We're going straight into this. This question is directed straight to Meredith, who is the coordinator of CoHealth. Why, what is the Divert Sexy program? Thanks, Raf, and it's great to be here uh, with you and Finn today. Um, Divert Sexy is a sexual rights and relationships program for people with a disability. Um, it's is led by and has been designed by people with a disability for people with a disability. And the program aims to build confidence and capacity for the disability community so that they can make informed choices about their sexual health um, and relationships and really know how to advocate for themselves around their sexual health and 
um, very much looks at the intersections of gender, disability and sexuality. Now, I'm going to go across to Mr. Luke Nelson. Luke, why is it important that this program runs as a co-designer? Thanks, Raf. It's very important because um, people with disabilities deserve to have a sexual life if that's what they so wish and so desire. Um, because we need to be able to teach the disability community and the community in large that people with disability do have sex and they, you know, we're all sexual beings altogether. And that's why this program is so, so important. Right now is that there was a recent High Court ruling in May, which mm. it has opened up the boundaries. Now, Meredith, can you please talk us through what this High Court ruling was and what it means? Absolutely, Raf. So the High Court ruling in May um, was a huge landmark ruling by the Federal Court um, particularly focused uh, around a woman with multiple sclerosis who had been fighting to include um, within her NDIS plan or use, using her funds within her NDIS plan to pay for a sex worker. Um, and the federal court ruled in her favour and basically um, made it so that with the NDIS, anyone can use their plan to pay for the services of a sex worker to help address their sexual health goals. Um, it's important to mention that the NDIA have just released a reform paper um, hoping to change the legislation next year to basically state that people with a disability cannot use their funds to pay for a sex worker or any device that supports sexual stimulation. So even though we've had this landmark ruling that's happened, um, and it's important to differentiate between the high court and the federal court. So even though we've had this federal court ruling, the fight's not over. We have to keep fighting because the NDIA are trying to turn it over and change the legislation. What do you, what do you think they're trying to, trying to do that? What, 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 what is so confronting about people with disabilities having sex for the, the government? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question, Finn. Um, basically, the NDIA states that people should only use their funds for anything that's considered reasonable and necessary. When actually, um, what's reasonable and necessary is it, uh, your sex sexual expression is making sure that you have a positive and safe sexual life. And, you know, for some people with a disability, seeing a sex worker may be the only experience they have in being able to have sex. And for other people, um, being able to see a sex worker means that they um, learn more about their bodies and are able to increase their social skills um, before finding a partner of their own. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, it is reasonable for any adult to seek experiences around their sexual pleasure and people with a disability need to be treated as adults with adult desires. And what we know about adult desires is that they're not heterosexual and they're not necessarily monogamous and sex looks different depending on who you are. And 
certainly if you have a disability, you may be, you, you might have more challenges in having sex than other people. It's going to look different. So you require more supports and more um, things in place to help you be able to have that. So why shouldn't you be able to use your funds to have this experience of sex that is reasonable and necessary and a human right? Now, we Victoria, might... we have not, we're going to actually cross to Victoria now. Now, Victoria, let's hear about your views on why is sex important to people with a disability? Well, I reckon it's more human and it's more to do with their mental mentalism. Like, it helps mental their um, mentality, it helps them with anxiety, it helps all sorts of people, not just disability. It helps them um, to be happy um, for their, um, just everyday life, you know, independence, to live happier, to um, feel happier, to, um, yeah. And I reckon um, the NDIS should fund sex workers. I reckon that's a yes. Come on, let's do this. Because, How do you... Sorry, um, Victoria. Not to have sex and not to exclude them into their, um, their right to have sex. And a person is discrimination on a level. And it's not good. How do you feel, uh, Victoria and Luke, how do you feel when people like the, like the government say that people with disabilities can't have sex or, the, or the, they, they can't use their NDIS funds to have sex. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel very angry and very um, torn because um, deep inside them, you know, we're human. We've got we got red blood like the other persons in the room. And, you know, the other people have got red blood like us. So I, I can't see why, you know. And um, it's, uh, they're, discriminate, they're discriminating against us not um, having a sexual relationship or a healthy one, how dare they, really? Bullshit, it's rubbish. I'm sorry for my language. What about you? What about you, Luke? Do you feel, how, um, how does it make you feel when people can't uh, tell you I think, you can't have sex? I think when the NDIS says this, I think, I think it's a bit, um, bit interesting how they want to take um, that right away from us. Not that I'm saying that the NDIS is doing that, but pretty much um, what they're saying is that people with disabilities shouldn't have sex because they're saying that um, by not giving them the funds they need um, 
to do this, they're saying, well, you know, you're not able to do this. So I think the NDIS um, needs to look at the fact that, you know, it is a human right. Now, I do understand that the NDIS may, may have a little bit of difficulty with paying for it, but you need to look at the rights of people with disabilities um, because that's what it is. It, it's a human right to live a sexually um, sexual life if that's what they so wish. Now, let's go across to Meredith. Now, one of the things about sexuality, it does encompass the whole spectrum of absolutely everyone. Specifically, let's take, I'm going to see if I get the acronym correct because LGBTQA+, I think I've got this one right. Now, Meredith, why is the sexual rights of people with a disability in relation to LGBTQA plus important? All right, how does this actually fit together? Yeah, that's a good question, Raf. Um, and I guess basically it's, it's important because, or it's important to acknowledge and I guess um, lift the voices of people who are have a disability and identify as LGBTIQA+, because even, you know, which even though sex is considered taboo within the disability community, or well, there's the stereotype that people with a disability don't have sex or they're not sexual, even if they do have sex, there's a stereotype that they're heterosexual, that they um, only want to be in a relationship with the opposite sex and in a monogamous relationship where it's just two people in the relationship. Um, when actually just like everyone else, people with a disability have a diverse experience of sexuality and gender and identity and that needs to be acknowledged and talked about and certainly within the Diversexy program, we really try to talk about how any of these identities and sexualities are okay as long as you are comfortable within yourself and you've listened to yourself about who you are and that we should be celebrating the differences and the diversity among the community and respecting each other. And so I think, you know, that's what we try to do with the program. And Luke and Victoria can speak more to this as well around how when where we designed Diversexy, we were really aware of the fact that we wanted to make sure that we weren't pushing one kind of way to be sexual when there's so many types of ways to be sexual. I mean, we've talked about the fact that people with a disability experience sex in different ways. So the way they experience sex is gonna be as diverse as who they're having sex with and how and how they identify. And we need to be able to celebrate that. Well, is it, we're going to take a couple of community announcements and then we're going to go across to Luke and Victoria to explore more about the design of Diverse is sexy. Three CR Community Radio, eight five five AM. Hi. 
is Love the Stars, where Love will give reviews of movies or TV shows on or at the cinemas or streaming on your digital devices. Hi, this is Murdoch and Loz, panellists on The Boldness. Hi Loz, what show are you reviewing today? The Last Leg on ABC Comedy. What time and what night is it on, Loz? 8.30 on a Tuesday night. Hosted by Adam Hills, Alex Brooker and Josh Widdicombe. So why have you decided to review this show? Because it's one of the few shows on TV that discuss disability matters. And it often features guests with a disability on the show. The show has been going since 2012. It started alongside the London Paralympics broadcast. What type of show is it? It's a comedy talk show based in London. So Loz, why was the show called The Last Leg? Adam Hills was born without a right foot and Alex Brooker was born with hand and arm deformities. Can you give me an example of somebody with a disability who's been on the show? Yes, the comedian Rosie Jones who has cerebral palsy. She talked about the National Day of Disability and she was very funny. So what did you most like about the show, Loz? The fact that disability stories are discussed with people who have a disability on primetime TV. So what are you going to rate it? I think it's a very important show. I rate it 9 out of 10. Thanks, Loz. And thank you all for listening to Loz's Starts. You're listening to The Boldness on the 16th of December on 3CR... 8.55 a.m. And we are talking with co-health, some workers, Meredith Drinkell, the coordinator of the new The Person Sexy program, and Luke Nelson and Victoria Rockchick, who are co-designers of the The Person Sexy program. Now, we're going to go to, let's say, Luke... And then we'll go to Victoria. Now, Luke, as a co-designer of the Diverse Sexy Program, what did you, what was your input into this role about Um, designing it? Yeah, and help me out, Victoria uh, Victoria and Meredith, if I get some of this wrong. Um, Basically, we looked at how how we could be more diverse and what this program needed. and we created the content all together. We created um, all the session plans and stuff like that. But we wanted to make it a fun program, but also a knowledgeable program. Um, and, and we didn't want to focus on, as, as my colleague said, Meredith, um, we didn't want to focus on one um, sexual way. We wanted, to ex- we wanted to make sure that everybody was included. Um, every section of the community, every way of how we can explore sex in any way. Right now, Victoria, as co-designer of the program, what is your vision of the Diverse Sexy program? Well, we wanted to make it really fun and interesting for people and not so much on one topic. As Luke said, um, we wanted to explore more fun things and um, 
information and all that. And um, yeah, the program is really, it has a really good um, information source. So it's basically unreal. Right. Now, I'm actually going to put one of those very challenging questions out there. And I like to do this sort of thing. Okay. Now, let's say a person is nonverbal. How does a person actually convey or understand what, how do they show consent? And that would probably be for Meredith, I think. That's, that's a really good question. Um, and I guess, you know, it's um, if they have communication needs and they, that are different from um, having a verbal conversation and say they're on a date or say they're, um, you know, wanting to uh, explore um, in a sexy, fun way with a partner, it might be that they have a support worker present with them um, to be able to communicate, they might have verbal cues, uh, sorry, they might have nonverbal cues um, with body language about expressing consent. And I guess it really requires um, the, you know, the person who is giving their consent um, or not giving their consent to um, know, have already been able to communicate with that partner before, or as I said, have a support worker on them. Um, and I guess that's part of why we have Diver Sexy or as a program to sort of upskill and build the capacity of the community. I mean, last week we just ran some online workshops where there were two participants who were both nonverbal. We had um, an Auslan interpreter on screen and there was also an interpreter with the participant where they were and there was translating happening back and forth between the Auslan interpreters on screen and then the interpreters present with the participants. And essentially the aim of Diversex is around building capacity and confidence and we talk a lot about consent and we talk a lot about how to set good boundaries. And so if the person knows that they communicate in a different way, then perhaps it's figuring out ahead of time, you know, well, cool, I might have, you know, have sex with this person or I might be interested or I might not, but how do I communicate? It's about getting those things in place before something even happens. It's knowing how they can communicate with that person, whether or not they have that support worker there or they have some other cues. Now, there is a sexologist which is available. Cool. Now, what actually is a sexologist and why is it important people can talk with them? Mm -hmm. So a sexologist um, has, uh, has studied sexuality and human behaviour and they support people in a therapeutic way to help people address any kind of intimacy issues that they might be having um, so different to a sex worker, uh, it's more of a counselling role um, in, able, in being able to support people to, um, with any issues that they might be having around their sexual health or their sexual life. Um, and Deb Vanderwerp um, came along to one of our Diver Sexy workshops and talked about um, self-advocacy when it comes to sexual health. Now, how can people get in touch about the Diverse Sexy program? You can ring um, CoHealth or contact 
I think Meredith has got um, a email address that you're going to get from her, I imagine. Um, and you can, um, and we'll get back in touch with you and um, organize all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's a right really now, fun program. Yeah. Now, Meredith, uh, are you happy for us to include an email address or would you like to give out an email address now? Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone is interested in learning more about Diversexy or you might be interested in being a participant, you can email Diversexy, so D-I-V-E-R-S-E-X-Y at cohealth, C-O-H-E-A-L-T-H dot org dot A-U. So you can send me an email and we can have a bit of a chat um, we are looking at rolling out more online workshops next year and very keen um, talk with more people that are interested in being part of this incredible program that I feel so lucky to work with um, such amazing peer advocates like Luke and Victoria. Right. Now, one of the things that I'm going to mention that for this interview, that when it comes to sexuality, why, um, how come people actually use uh, pronouns? Not what the pronouns are, but why do they use them? Um, the importance of using pronouns is so that people who are gender diverse can feel safe and respected. And, you know, particularly if they use they, them pronouns, um, that when they see um, people use their pronouns like he and him and she and her, it creates a sense of safety and means that they can be open about their sexuality and gender identity um, and really just builds that sense of trust. So it's a way of showing allyship and support for people who are transgender and gender diverse. Yeah, because like a couple of years ago, I remember going to a workshop and when it came down to, I think it was pronouns and access and inclusion, my understanding, it is to the specifications of whom the intended audience, as well as showing being an ally and supporting people in their other uh, choices as well. Yeah, that's right, right Raf. It's, it's absolutely around accessibility and inclusion and you know, if people introduce themselves with their pronouns, you know, for me, I'm Meredith and I use she, her pronouns. It's a way of sort of setting a standard, um, at, you know, as to, as to how you're going to be facilitating and holding an experience and um, really shows that you are creating that sense of safety and support for people who are, are gender diverse. Well, is it? Thank you very much for your time, Meredith. Let's do a quick wrap up here. Thank you very much to Victoria Rockcheek, one of the diverse workers, one of the program designers. Thank you very much for your time, Victoria, for appearing on The Boldness. Much appreciated. Thank you very much, Rock. Thank you very much to Luke Nelson, who was also one of the co-designers of the Diverse Sexy Program. Thank you for joining us on The Boldness. Thanks, Raf.
Meredith, thank you very much for joining us on The Boldness as the coordinator, manager, marketing of the Diverse Sexy Program. You've got one last, give yourself a plug. Okay, CoHealth, what is the website? The website for CoHealth is www.cohealth.org.au. Um, or you can get in touch with the email I mentioned before. And I just want to say thanks to, to Raf and Finn. Um, thanks for having us on your show today. It's been really wonderful. Right. And if you, well, if, you, if you miss any of the, the details of Diverse Sexy, we will put them all up as part of our podcast. Right. Well, thank you very much for, for coming in uh, tonight. We'll be back on the 30th of December. Thank you very much.